Welcome, everybody. Joel, it's the Olympics. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. It's the Win Daily DJ live stream every single Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. But Joel, you know, I didn't really, I haven't had a chance to talk to you before the show. We were kind of scrambling. Um, I was, I was kind of running short on time. We usually start a few minutes uh, ago. But Joel, uh, funny surprise. So we're going to have some guests come on the show, some guests that you are familiar with because you just, we all kind of follow it and, and talk about all the guys in the, in the DFS industry and the betting industry, of course. And there was a, Joel, so you're not on Twitter as much as I am. There was a very spirited debate, like over the last two hours. I mean, it was a who's who of, of you know, DFSing and betting and whatnot. And I think it was PGA Tout who started it, who, by the way, Joel, is actually going to come on the show in a few minutes, I believe. And PGA Tout basically said what I said a couple days ago, which was, you know, if it's like Justin Thomas or somebody that has all the accolades already, or at least most of the accolades, and might not care as much about a bronze as, for example, like a Henrik Norlander would. Well, maybe, just maybe, that guy will, and I'm, I'm, I'm only pausing because I want to retweet this show on my page in case people are watching. But maybe that guy would just like like a Justin Thomas type would just kind of push the putt so that if Sungjae or Siwoo are in fourth place, well, oh, wow. All of a sudden they're in third place. They have a bronze medal and they can avoid military service the two years that are mandatory in South Korea. So that's that's sort of sparked a debate, as you might expect. And here we are. And I, you know, I, I told Jeff Feinberg and 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 PGA Tout and Andy Lack, all, all of which do like amazing work, um, some in football, some across the DFS landscape. We're talking football, uh, golf, you name it. And I was like, hey, let's let's just continue this debate, you know, live while while we're doing our PGA live stream. And, and they sounded totally up for it. So I think, Joel, you know, while we're waiting for them, what's your take there? And, and let me just I don't want to set you up. So so let me just tell you what the perspectives were on, on both sides, what, what you might expect. The, some perspectives were, well, you know, these guys are highly competitive. A, a bronze, whether it's Justin Thomas or not, a bronze means a lot to whoever's flying all the way to Tokyo to, to you know, play in the Olympics. And then others like myself were like, well, yeah, that's true. But there were probably some people who pal around with the Sung JMs and the Siwoo Kims of the world and you know, might not care as much about a silver or a bronze as, you know, gold is a different story, of course. But my thought was just like PGA Tao was, you know, maybe they would just kind of push a four foot putt just to make sure that, you know, Sungjae doesn't have to do two years of military service in South Korea, which we know from experience, or at least from like just reading the Chronicles, whether it's Sang Moon Bay or, or, or anybody else, you know, your your PGA career can really be derailed when you serve two years in the in the South Korean military or in, in any military when you're not concentrating on the sport that you love and that you're really good at. So before I bring those guys on, Joel, I mean, what's your perspective there? Am, am I totally wrong? Uh, it doesn't matter who's wrong or right. But like, where do you sort of lean? What side do you lean on? So I, I, I may have missed it. What side were you on? I was on the side that there are a select few golfers that are in this Olympics field that would actually say to themselves, well, like a Justin Thomas, I think is a really good example. A guy that's already racked up a lot of, you know, career, you know, whatever awards tournaments and probably has, he knows he has a lot more to go and that maybe a bronze or a silver wouldn't mean quite as much to him as, you know, you know, obviously for a lot of golfers, it's going to mean a lot to metal, but I think there might be some guys who are good enough that might be in contention on you know whatever the fourth day whichever day that is i'm trying to do tokyo time but that that basically long story short they would push a putt or you know just kind of duff on you know maybe hit it in the water or something oops you know by accident 
just so that if Sung Jay's right behind him, then Sung Jay gets a medal and this guy can sort of feel like a quiet hero. So that, that was the side. And I totally understand the other side too. I'm just kind of curious where you stand before I bring, I know Andy's waiting. And I know Jeff and uh, PJ Tout are going to be coming soon. So I agree with you. I think one, uh, I don't know if narrative is the word. I think one thing we may not have factored in is let's not forget about the $40 million bonus, popularity bonus for golf this year, right? Oh. What's going to make you more popular? A bronze medal? Or literally being the hero that saves one of your friends on the PGA Tour from going into military service and derailing his career. That's interesting. So the the, the PIP stuff. So I'm going to bring Andy on because that's not anything anybody addressed. I'm telling you, Twitter was like buzzing. My notifications were just out of control because people just, they all wanted a way in. So let me bring, I know we got Andy and John, they're coming on in a second. Let me bring Andy on first because that I hadn't heard yet. Maybe I was scanning too fast, but Andy, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Sia. How's it going, man? And nice to meet you, Joel. Andy, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Genuinely appreciate it. We're going to have John, a.k.a. PGA Tout, on in a second, and Jeff Feinberg, Andy, as you know. So so here's here's before before we kind of get into the round table, I hadn't heard the PIP thing. There's something to be said for that, right? Sure. Yeah. I, there is something to be said for that. I don't think that he would be a hero, though. I really don't. I really do not think he would be considered a hero. But maybe to some people, I think if there's one thing that we've learned, it's that everybody seems to have a different opinion on this. It's quite the polarizing topic. So I personally don't think that he would be viewed as a hero. I think that the uh, the narrative about what's going on with Sungjae and Siwoo uh, is a lot more um, p- part of what's going on with us and the Twitter discourse and the media than what's going on with these actual players and in the locker room. So that's where I just I have a difficult time. But... And, and, and that might be true, Andy. That, that's that's an interesting point. So let me let me bring on John real quick. Um, John, how are you? AKA PGA Tout. Um, I, I don't know if any of you uh, or John. I don't know if you know Joel, but um joel john john welcome to the show so you've been listening at least for a minute or so my my only retort to andy with the hero call is and this is so like philosophical if you're a hero to one are you not a hero i'm just you know what i'm saying if you're a hero to sung jm and his family or siwoo kim and his family are you not a hero regardless of how many people you're a hero for and again that's super philosophical and it's like an easy thing for me to say but john first of all thank you for coming on the show we're going to bring jeff on in a second but um, any thoughts? I don't know if you were here when Joel mentioned the PIP thing and the $40 million. You know, if you are that quote, quiet hero, which is my term, you know, not anybody else's. So maybe you're quote, not a hero, but you know, you're going to get recycled on Twitter and social media so many times. Is there kind of like a, something underlying this where maybe that's actually a really good point. So if Justin Thomas does push a four foot putt, well, uh, he's going to get talked about quite a bit and, and, and be in contention with Brooks and Bryson for some of that cash. Um, okay. So first of all, thank you for having me. Have not had the pleasure of talking to you, Sia, so this is nice. I appreciate it. And Joel, nice to meet you. Um, so I think it's actually kind of a paradox in that way, because if a dud, let's say like, um, let's say like Sebastian Munoz, my boy, he's in line for the bronze and he intentionally pushes it and says afterwards, I wanted my boy Sungjae to get that bronze. That would ignite some pip conversation. If Justin Thomas did that from a PIP standpoint, I think people would just say, like, 
why did you why did you do that like i don't think i, I oh, think okay. it, yeah. i think it would have to be it would have to look very subtle and it would have to not be obvious and if uh, this, this is all hypothetical inherently inherently this is a ridiculous conversation but i love that we're doing it um I, I, but john i don't think it's that ridiculous i mean because i <laughs> only only because the narrative has been out there for weeks that these guys missed the open and everybody kind of who's out there kind of knows like this is kind of the deal so hold that thought i want to bring jeff feinberg on and and add him to this this it's going to be a party of five now jeff how are you doing sir welcome to the show <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Happy to, um, you know, talk to all you guys who I've never spoken to before, <laughs> except except Andy. So, yeah, let, let's do this. And I agree. It's I don't know whether we live in this little bubble of this part of the Internet. It has become a talking point and it has become one that gasoline is kind of getting getting thrown on it at the moment. It, it is. And Jeff, I want to give you the floor. I mean, get, l let's set this up because Joel, you didn't really have a chance. In fact, in fact, John, I think you were the first one to put a tweet out. So can, can we just like set it up properly? You know, what what was the tweet in general terms so that we can just operate from that vantage point? Uh, it was actually Wiley that tweeted. Okay. Um, it was like a quote tweet and it was like, would you create a pact to uh, get these guys bronze? And he said, would I? Yes. And then there was a bunch of people that jumped in from there and chaos ensued. Fair enough. And, and so, so Jeff, you and you and Andy are definitely on the, this is a, this is a ridiculous conversation. And, and I understand your and Andy's perspective here, but like, what's, is it that insane that here's, here's my question. There's a few guys on the tour that have the accolades that have the awards that we know are going to get the awards in the future. Is it fair to say that maybe there's a few guys that would like, be kind of okay with doing that or is it just universally they're too competitive it's just not going to happen this is not a thing it's the olympics they flew out here 18 hours not a thing yeah i am more of anybody who had that in their system that thought just decided not to participate i obviously these guys want a gold medal they're there for a gold medal but i don't think you go to the the olympics in this sport thinking like it's gold or bust like attitude on top of that, and something that I think has gotten so lost in this conversation, guys, is how cutthroat, week in, week out it is on tour. Goldust's finishing move was Shattered Dreams. Rory McIlroy has been shattering golfers' dreams his entire life. Maybe we've never heard of him. They weren't millionaires like Sung Jae-im and Siwoo Kim. Every week, guys are playing for a card. Need as simple as like a T-16 to get one more leg at it. No one's talking about giving anyone a spot. I know the dynamics are a little different in real time on a Sunday, but it's not talked about. And who cares? An elite player finishing 15th or 17th like he needs that cash? I think people have lost sight of how cutthroat it is. And well, – and the, the one thing I want to say, and then I wanted to kick it to, to Andy real quick, because I agree with you about the cutthroat nature of the PGA Tour and just golf and just sports in general. But contextually, isn't this a little bit different? I mean, isn't this I mean, 
there's never a tournament. Like you're, you're not at like the masters thinking, Hey, if I take this from this guy, like he's going to have to serve two years in, in the South Korean military and, and maybe never get the same game again. So, and Andy, that's sort of my argument ultimately is like the stakes are a little bit higher here. So it's a little bit different here. And therefore the cutthroat nature, yes, while it applies, it's a little, to me, it's just a little bit a different of a consideration. Um, my, yes. I agree. The stakes are higher than the masters or frankly, like even if it's the Wyndham and guys are, you know, going to lose their tour card or something like that. Can I ask a friendly question to you guys? Have any of you guys played a round of competitive golf in your life? Well, if, if you're talking competitive in the, like, for, for like my like, college like team or a high yeah, school like, team. Yeah, like in like even in college or like a, a relatively senior serious amateur tournament or or even like a junior tournament. Have you guys played competitive golf before? Or even let me frame it this way. Have you guys been around a lot of professional golf or golf tournaments in your life? Have you guys been to like a couple dozen PGA tour events and really spent a lot of time kind of observing that life? So my answer is no, but I've also engaged in competitive sports. And I don't think mm -hmm. the, the competitive nature of golf versus basketball, for example. No, 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 no. That's not my argument whatsoever. Yeah, I just what I'm saying is like, I don't think the landscape of competitiveness among sports is is really different. But I, I assume you're about to tell me why golf might be just a little bit different than the, the, the other sports. I don't think that golf is by any means more cutthroat than basketball. I just in my experience, I, I just listen, I'm not even like close to trying to compare these things, but I, I literally had to spend like my entire childhood from ages five through 17 and then in college traveling to these junior tournaments every single weekend. Like it was just my entire life. I think it gives a little bit of a different perspective. These people are fucking crazy. Am I allowed mm -hmm. to curse? Yes, of course. You do whatever you want, man. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I've been really, really lucky to, to be able to uh, go to a lot of professional golf tournaments as well to a lot of majors. It's kind of been me and my dad's thing growing up was going to all these tournaments. So, and I'm just a golf obsessive. So I would get to these tournaments on like Tuesday and just stand on the range for hours watching these guys beat balls. The idea that in a competition, whether it's a $20 Nassau for Rory or the fucking Olympics that they would miss a putt, even if it meant that like Sungjae was on death row. It's incomprehensible to me. It is absolutely incomprehensible to me. I think these guys are absolutely built hey, different. It's their life's work. I don't see it. I just, I don't fucking see it. I just Rory, don't Rory see it. Take $20 at the expense of Sungjae on death row. I'm being yeah, facetious. Yeah, yeah. You, get, you get Trust what me. I, you, yeah, you <laughs> get, you I'm get, I'm, no, you get Andy, I'm being facetious. Andy, I, I get what you're saying, but but I, I think you have to value the idea that people's sensibilities are just a little bit different. There's not one universal mindset when it comes, especially when it comes to, this is not the PGA Tour. I don't know of the 60 golfers or 59, whatever it is, I don't know how many of them value a bronze medal as much as the other guy. And I just think, yeah, I think the majority of guys wouldn't, think of, of missing a putt. But I think there's a select few that might be, you know, John put out the tweet of, of Sung Jay, who was it? Sung Jay and Justin Thomas just like hanging out together on the course. Like these guys talk. I mean, you talk about the competitive nature of golf. Well, there's a fraternal nature of golf too. These guys are like with each other all the time, just kind of bullshitting. And I, you know, it doesn't seem far-fetched to me that 
we may not know what the relationships are exactly. We may not know what they're bandying about. And if it's a friend of a friend, and it's the difference between no medal and a bronze medal for somebody who's going to rack up so many majors and so many PGA Tour events, just seems to me it's like, well, this doesn't feel like as big of a deal for me as it is for him. So notwithstanding the competitive nature of it, it just seems to me like, all right, I think I might give him this one. You have to really lose all sight of what you are doing and why you are there, representing your country. You're like in a village with your country, celebrating every achievement that happens to your team. Yeah, and are, and that would be for, for for any player to stare at his country's media, say I like I, like I guess he could explain it in saying I like this guy and I cut him a break. But when you make the commitment to do this event, to make this trip. You're playing for your country, for your country's medal total. As dumb as that sounds, I believe that to be the absolute case as, as well for the guys that have decided to go. If they didn't want a medal, any medal, I think they just, like, gold or bust, I think you stay home. Like, to me, Patrick Reed is going to try to freaking medal. Obviously, I know he's a different animal Reed, we know Reed would for sure not do what we're debating Dustin or Justin or Rory could do. But I think like it's part of it. You made this commitment. You want to freaking medal. Medal is important. A medal will show up on your career CV. Olympic medalist. I mean, far greater than a, a huge second place payday at a WGC. Joel, I just ahead. one quick question. Why do people think that Rory and JT are less cutthroat than Reed because of like their demeanor? No, like Reed, the way that the, what did, they say did something at the Ryder cup once. So he's the most. Okay. But I think a lot of people, a lot of these guys like I'm carry joking. themselves differently. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't question Rory or JT's commitment. I think they're all in the same bucket, which was kind of the point I was making. I, I think these guys have a different mindset that is impossible for us to understand the hours that has been put into this in their life and the integrity that would go into purposely missing a putt in the fucking Olympics. Well, this could be generalized to every guy, right? I think Rory and JT are getting brought up because these are guys that are on tour playing every event with Sung Jay. One major event with Siwoo. Sung Jay doesn't so, speak English. If, if, if Nito Piera was the guy in question, he probably doesn't know who they are. He's been on the KFT tour. Uh, the Corn Ferry Tour, he's not going to miss the pot and, and put them in. But we don't know. Maybe Rory does like to hang out with Sung Jae. Maybe they are friends and they've been playing together for two years. And if that's the case, and I'll tell you what, if I was playing in a tournament and it was C, I needed the medal to get into, <laughs> to get out of military service, I heck sure as heck would do it for C and let make C exactly where I I, His hair can't handle I, like you guys seem like nice enough guys. I don't know you from a hole in the wall. So if it was if I had to miss a putt for you to win the tournament, I probably wouldn't. But for Sia, who I do a show with every week, yeah, I'd probably do that. Guys, it's not a cocktail party out there. I spent but, three I spent three hours on the practice screen at Tory Pines. These guys aren't like as buddy buddy as you think. Like I, they don't well, even talk to they have each other clicks. that much. And yeah, click, it's a tight Rory's circle. Yeah, two Europeans who meddled and will tell them go f and medal. Yeah, but does everybody value the, the bronze and silver medal as much as the other guy? I mean, isn't that really the question we have to ask? I mean, if like you went, I think you realize that, met, like I just made the point, you're in that Olympic village, you're playing for your country. Okay. The yeah, over, well, Jeff, Jeff, I can argue. Let John get in here too. Okay. Yeah, the reason that I bring up Rory, and we could say that it was an emotional press conference after the Open, but 
he's not a patriotic guy and there's turmoil in Northern Ireland versus the rest of the UK. And he doesn't feel especially patriotic representing his country. So that's why I use him as an example in this hypothetical situation. Um, but, you know, I, I think even if we did get to this crazy specific hypothetical situation where he's on the 18th hole and he's standing over a putt and he misses it, and some JRC would win. Even if he did that on purpose, he wouldn't come out in the press conference afterwards True. and say, like, of course. Yeah, my, my boy Sung Jay needed it, so I missed it. Like he would say that I missed the putt. They probably wouldn't even ask the question. Really. 100%. I, that's why it's a really ridiculous debate because we're talking about in the back yeah. of somebody's hypothetical mind, are they thinking I should help this guy out or do I want to get this medal? And no one's debating. Like we all agree that that fourth place in, in pole vaulting is so much more painful than any of these elite players coming fourth place, like and just missing on a podium. Mm -hmm. Rory would get over fourth place a lot quicker than anyone else in the Olympic Village in their in their discipline. Um, but I'm silly enough to believe that they signed up. They want to add to their country's medal count. That's what they went. The better the 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 fancier the color, the better. But they're all there to medal to medal. So I do think showing up and meddling is important now if one of these elite players gets off to a slow start do i think we could see that they could be great fades on the weekend because it's just like get me out of here you could have a horrible olympic experience for whatever reason having a clogged toilet or something could ruin your weekend but there'll be a couple of these guys that are absolutely adoring their olympic experience and do one lap through an Olympic village and see how much pride someone just took in their bronze medal. And, and, like, I don't think they went if they wouldn't have that feeling, but if they didn't, I don't think it would take much to, for it to kick in that no one is going to give up their podium fight on, on the final day. I don't see it. I could see an elite player gas canning Sunday, way out of position, just wanting to get the F out of Tokyo. Why the F did I come? Fine. But no one fighting for podium or in a podium position is given an inch on the week on at the end of it. No one. Go ahead, Joel. If I'm wrong, the the original tweet where this started came from John Rom, correct? I'm not uh, even sure. I don't know. It was referenced. So deep into this, I don't even know how it started. <laughs> if, it, if that is true, and Rom said that he mentioned that he may have have done that. Well, if Rom didn't have COVID, would you believe since he said it himself that he would have been the guy that if he was in position? to medal and, and maybe bogey to allow Siwoo to pass him that he would do it? I, I think that comment was very obviously made in jest. Um, but I think that we should look out for press conferences after this tournament because I think this question might be asked again hypothetically to some of these players. And I think we might get similar answers after the fact. You won't say it before the tournament. That's ridiculous. And after the fact, if you ask somebody who was in fifth coming down the stretch, hey, if you were a little higher, would you duff it? I guarantee a couple guys would say, I think about it. So it's funny because I, I agree with that. I just think they'd be lying. That's Maybe fair. that's fair. I also <laughs> think they wouldn't have accepted the trip. They was well, okay. So, but, but circumstances change, right? Because you might've accepted the trip. I want a medal, but then day four comes around and it just so happens that Siwoo or Sungjae happened to be in the fourth spot. Now your sensibilities change because the circumstances change. So yeah, of course you fly all the way there to medal, but I mean, you know, things can potentially change. It's funny though, that this, I, I agree. The whole hypothetical is, is kind of ridiculous, but the psychology of it is not ridiculous. I actually think it's kind of fun. It's to fascinating talk about from a sociological, yeah, psychological standpoint, but it's funny though, because now I'm really, 
really hoping that Sungjae or Siwoo are at least like within the top 10 with 18 to play because then what I get to do for that entire day is, is like anytime somebody misses a shot, just a terrible <laughs> shot, I'm just going to be like, see, that was for Sungjae. Yeah, and I got to put a disclaimer. Like I, I not even because I think it makes sense or it's a course fit. I took a 70 to one on Siwoo. For no other than riding narrative street with with the internet, like with yeah. our friends, like I, I sit across from Mayo, who's a Siwoo disciple. I wasn't ha watching him enjoy a Siwoo gold medal and not cashing in <laughs> on it, so I'm all here for the narrative. I'm just not expecting a favor from somebody. If anything, I'm expecting them to protect their positions and not hunt that gold if they're into it. Fair enough. Right, well, I think I, one other thing I want to bring up, hmm? let, let, let's think of the reason why these Korean players are getting these ex exemptions. It's to bring honor to their country. So if they win in a circumstance where somebody very obviously tanked to it, it get them be. to backdoor in, that would be disrespectful to the entire concept of it. And like, they wouldn't want it to be that way. So I, I definitely just to defend that point, like, if this were to hypothetically happen, it would not be overtly in your face, like hacking a, a golf ball into the water. Like it, it's 100%. more of a psycho we would psychological make jokes approach. About the size of the check, but they wouldn't like admit to it. Like we, yeah, we would have fun with it. What was the size of the check or what's his cut for those two years for it. But yeah, no one is going to celebrate it. Like it was some purposeful, achievement and i you know clearly we're talking about players as i think the thread illustrated like you have to have won a major to feel like you could gas can a bronze medal is that mm -hmm. sort of like where the people who believe it's possible are standing because i know yes. like in canada per se we would loot canadian sports media canada would would lose its mind as much as you think we're nice guys so would ireland honors or a hughes <laughs> gave away a medal like i don't think it would be celebrated here i don't even a bronze not one bit you know would what? we, would we I, want that i think it would be celebrated in america i think people would yeah america's be, a different case i think i think you're right about that i think americans would be proud of that i think they would say you know what they did something to help somebody who was you know who Allegedly. had a knee that could have you know boosted them and i think they would look at be looked at positively for doing so it'd be polarizing there would be some people that would feel that way, and there would be some other people that would not feel that way, just as the way that politics are in our country right now to begin with. My only point is, is like, does Rory care more about helping out Sungjae and Siwoo than like all the, like Rory's the, like, he's the biggest ambassador for the, he's like the Chris Paul of the PGA tour. Like he's like the most respected man on the PGA tour by these guys. And I think that kids in Ireland fucking care about this. I really do. Even if he's on the bronze, even if, even if it's a bronze, even like, even if he is on the podium, I think that kids in Ireland really fucking care. And so I don't think that he cares more about Sungjae and Siwoo having to go to the military than he does what it means to the country. And that kind of takes us back to the, crux of the debate which is like how much do you guys think these olympic medals matter how much do you guys think bronze medals matter 
I think they fucking matter. I think they happen to matter way more in countries like Ireland and Canada than they do in countries like America. And it's hard for us to sit here in America and say that these guys would gas can it because we're not a fucking 12 year old in Ireland. That's been watching Rory swing videos since we were three years old. Well, Andy, let me ask you something real quick. I don't mean to, to, to light a fire here, but do you know who got the bronze medal last Olympics? Yeah. Kuchar. Do you well, know who most- got silver? Yeah, Stenson and Rose won gold. I care about the Olympics. Yeah, I wouldn't Andy, have done Andy, you, you, yeah. you are literally the 0.01% that knows the answer to that. <laughs> I know. Question. No, I disagree. So, I disagree. A, like a complete polar side of that. Jeff, I disagree. Nobody knows who won the medal. Well, that no, part of that is my argument. I'm an American golf this, fan. I, I'm I talking about the higher percentage. No. I mean, yeah, of course, people watching this, there's a higher percentage. But that's who but, we're speaking to. Like, I'm not talking to. That, that like that is who is involved in this conversation i also think that this part like the fact that we're having we care like the people that do what we're doing or that are, are part of our little niche fun corner of the internet um uh, care way more about this than the locker room like again i don't i think we're overrating how much these guys care to glad hand a couple south korean millionaires unless they are friends, but I don't know that they are because I just see the PGA Tour is so much more cliquey than your high school. From everything I've ever spoken or known about anybody who's been inside the ropes, these guys, not only are they in their own teams, but <laughs> yeah. from within their own teams, they hang out with literally the smallest select group, and they don't really budge from that. And once in a while, the click will let the one, two, three kid or Hunter Hurst Helmsley in you know, to drive them around places maybe, but these are really closed off circles. Like, I don't think they care to protect. Like, people talk about Sungjae and Siwoo like they're true amateurs. These guys are goddamn millionaires. The people <laughs> defending their right to play from 28, from the age of 28 to 30 would never even, like in their wildest dreams make the money they make. And they're like adamant that these guys should be glad handed the opportunity to continue to make that more money. It's really, I'm really weirded out by, by all of it to be perfectly honest in some ways. I I hate to tell you, but all I heard from that soliloquy was basically that if they're friends, they might do it, which means you're on our side of the argument. So that's, (laughs) that's all I internalize there. So here's what I want to do, John, I want to give you the last word on this, because as far as I could tell on, on social media, like that, you were the first sort of comment I saw and responded to. And then I want to go around. If you guys don't mind, I just want to ask who your, uh, who your winner is going to be at the Olympics. (laughs) Uh, okay. Final thoughts. Um, I, I don't, I don't like disagree. I, I think the logical stance is what Jeff and, and Andy are saying. I'm just, uh, offering a second perspective on it, on what might be from a humanitarian standpoint, uh, that we have to consider that there are implications on the line, uh, that are different than your typical week to week golf tournament. And if you believe that somebody is not especially patriotic and doesn't really care about meddling for their country uh, and they went there to win gold, as I think any elite competitor would say, they're going there to win. If you're not first, you're last. Um, then, you know, then I think that, that it's plausible that you could get in a situation where you say, I'm trading off the joy of winning a bronze medal, whatever that means, versus the joy of saving this guy's livelihood for the rest of his life and allowing him to be a millionaire for 10, 12, 15 more years. Um, so that's my piece. Um, 
you want me to give a winner for the Olympics while I'm at yeah. it? Give us your winner. Give us, give us your John. Give us your winner and give us kind of like a under the radar guy that you think is going to do well. Let's do that before we let you go. Um. Okay. Under the radar guy for me is Garrett Hago. He was the first guy I bet and one of. It, it was looking like he might be the only guy that I bet this week because I'm hearing it's some sort of right to left ball flight advantage, which I like for a lefty. I'm hearing that it's going to be easy scoring, um, which is great for Garrick Higo, who's won all of these birdie fests. He obviously won the Tom Fazio event in the Palmetto, which has these sort of large undulated green, greens and bunkering that's kind of reminiscent of what we're going to see. So he's won three times on tour. So at 50 to one in, in a short field like this and a guy who's comfortable playing internationally and not, not dealing with the time zone change that a lot of other guys at the top of the board are, I think there's a lot in Higo's favor. Um, and at the top of the board, I'm going to say Justin Thomas. I, 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 I was either going to say him or, or Colin Morikawa. And really how I'm going to approach the top of the board is not betting anybody 12 to 1 or under and waiting until after round one is over and kind of reassessing some some sort of value for somebody that can make up mm -hmm. some ground. I just I, It's fair odds where we are right now because you have to consider that you're playing in half the field. So double the odds that you're seeing on the odds board, that's probably more of a representative odds for a full board, but we're playing against 60 competitors and 40 formidable competitors. So I think those odds right now are fair. I want to see if I can get something in the mid teens on a little buy low situation, but gun to my head, top of the board, I would go Justin Thomas. All right. So Andy, let's go to you. Uh, top of the board type guy and a kind of a sneaky kind of longer odds type guy. Alexander. He's the number one. <laughs> he's the number one bent grass putter in this field. He dot, he's won twice at Eastlake. One of them was a shadow leaderboard, whatever. Zoysia fairways at Eastlake. Last time I checked, he's won the session, whatever, twice in China. He's great overseas. Alexander. I think he's going to win. Um, I don't know why I even asked, by the, <laughs> way. by the way, he's got the narrative gained Olympics thing going with his mom being raised in Japan. If you want to yeah. discuss some family oh, members out there for sure. Stefan yeah. is locked in. That's another point that we didn't bring up is that if Xander even attempted to push a putt, Stefan would run onto the green and fucking tackle him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, Xander doesn't have a major, so he needs, he needs a yeah, he, He's not Okay. <laughs> He's okay. Not Be kind. Be kind. Um, I like Rosner. I'm playing a lot of Rosner. Um, I have to see what's up with the ownership projections on Rosner, but everything I've seen on Rosner is he's an excellent iron player. I think that's a pretty safe bet. He has it doesn't have a ton of PGA tour data, but he gained like seven strokes on approach at the memorial. And he has a pretty decorated resume on the European tour as well. So I'm definitely playing uh, a lot of Antoine Rosner this week. Yeah, I know uh, Rick Gaiman likes Rosner quite a bit as well. Uh, Jeff, let's go to you before we close it with Joel. Who do you like uh, under the radar and who do you like outright just at the top? I will say I'm happy John mentioned because I've seen a lot of people like foo-foo at the odds and be like, I can't bet that. But you just sort of like have to assume what they would be in like a WGC and think this is great value to be perfectly honest on some of those guys at the top. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, it's always hard to push those chips in at those prices. Long shots for me. Um, Thomas Dietrich. I'm a bit of a sucker for this guy, <laughs> but when you're a European tour player, you can kind of, 
you are like a globe trotter. So he globe trots, he competes back to back second places. Hovland, Siwoo, um, you know, losing to both of them, like winning, you know, that's an ask. I'm not really making a claim on, but maybe, you know, being a great DFS or a T5 play. Every time he tees it up, I've kind of got that confidence in him. He's like my European phenom, just nonstop heartbreak, but enough to always want to trust and go back. Uh, and at the top, I really came down to JT uh, was a guy I was thinking, and I think he could overpower the place, but I am in on Victor Hovland. Um, bit of a guy, you know, contends week in on the weekend, week out in America, gets dropped into Germany, goes wins a tournament, gets dropped into England, finishes in 12th place at the Open Championship. Uh, I've been waiting for this hello world moment for Victor, and I've made some bold calls with him wrongly as it pertains to some majors this year, clearly. But what better, like, hello world venue than the goddamn Olympics? Victor. That's a nice, that's a really nice narrative there. I'm, I'm, I love that. Uh, Joel, uh, what do we got? So uh, my non-top-of-the-board pick for the week is uh, a guy who's been relatively hot, Guido Migliozzi. This is a guy who, you know, we've seen show up at a few majors, who's been popping. His ball striking has been pretty elite. In this field, you know, other than the top 10 or 12 guys, it's really not that strong. And, you know, he has a good week this week. I think he can win the whole tournament. So I, I like him, but my I'm with you, Jeff. I think my guy at the top, I think Victor Hovland's going to win the tournament. I think he's going to take home the gold medal. Uh, that's who I'm going to have my money on. Uh, well, you took my under the radar guy. It's Guido Migliosi. So I, I like him quite a bit as well. I'll be playing a lot of DFS uh, Guido as well. Um, my top guy, I mean, it's this is so lame. I'm picking the guy that has the shortest odds, but I just think he's so good. I, I just, I love his game all around. And if the putter is even decent, I think he's going to have, and by the way, I think it'll, it'll, you know, I, I'd love y'all's opinion on this. It does seem like it's going to be soft, and that means the greens as well. And, and I think that does favor – I don't want to call Colin a bad putter, but he's certainly not a great putter, and he's certainly volatile. So I think it does favor guys like Colin Morikawa. Andy, I just want to go to you real quick. You, you feel the same on that. Yeah, from everything that I've heard, um, I've been trying to get after the debacle at the British Open, I've been trying to like really pay attention to like on course reports. And from what I've heard, this area of Japan has gotten a lot of rain over the past couple of months. And this course is going to play on the softer side. I think a good comp that I've kind of landed on is the November Masters, um, where it was a lot softer. Um and we saw the scores kind of balloon up to 16 under. That feels about right for me. All right. That was a good Masters for me. Cam Smith just did me so right uh, during that match. Guys, uh, first of all, I can't believe it's been 40 minutes. It feels like we just talked for 10. I genuinely, you know, I, just just for context purposes, uh, Joel, I, I, I literally messaged these guys like 20 minutes before the show because we were just going on. Everybody was going back and forth on Twitter. And I'm like we're doing a live show in 20 minutes. Like this is so much better if we could just kind of have this actually like talking, have an actual conversation. It wasn't contentious at all. It was just kind of like different perspectives, different sort of sensibilities in terms of how we feel like people might react, or at least some people might react. But I thought this was a really good conversation. Uh, on behalf of Joel, I can tell you guys, you guys are obviously always welcome on the show. I'm sure I'm going to be inviting you guys because me and Joel, you know, it's like, it's kind of boring, right? Right. Um, you guys are you guys are great. We follow all, all of your stuff and uh, we'll, we'll continue to. So really appreciate you guys jumping on the show. 
Thank you. I hope to get in Joel's better graces so that he will defend me if, if a putt is on the line and he can save my life. So yeah, Joel, <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe we will try to do this again. Listen, Wait, you guys what? come on a few more times and you're in. One, la one last thing, guys. Are you guys ready for how Twitter is going to be like every time somebody does miss a putt, like in contention, if Sungjae and Siwoo are there? Like anytime somebody misses a putt, like well, now it's a thing that's it's on my mind. It's not, I mean, truly it's it, like, I was kind of making a joke before, but like, to me, the only way this would ever come in is like the last couple holes when, when two guys are like sure. side by side on Sunday. So yes. With, if, yeah. If somebody tweets out, like they're, they're like, you know, day four and it's like, they're on the second hole and some guy hits it in the water and he's like, see, I told you like, that, guy's a, that, guy's a, that guy's an idiot. obviously. <laughs> Good time so, guys. I, I enjoyed invite me anytime. Let me yeah, know. This sure. is fun. Appreciate you guys. A hundred percent. Thanks guys. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. See you later. Thanks, guys. Listen, if you guys want to stick around and give some picks for the week, <laughs> you're more than welcome. Yeah. We're not picking you off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I should have, honestly, I should have asked them that because, uh, but you know, I, I felt, I felt so uh, not bad, but like they literally came on the show 10 minutes notice. I just sent them the link. So I didn't want to take up too much of their time. That was what 40 minutes. What the hell? Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at some of the comments now, Joel, uh, again, Andy Lack, um, John, AKA PJ tout. And of course, Jeff Feinberg, Joel, you, you know, all these guys, these guys, of course. I, I mean, honestly, that like, I, I don't know how to, un I feel like I'm going to undersell them just by saying like, Oh, these guys are great. Like they're like legitimately great. And you know, it's the content that, that some of these guys put out are like, it's kind of, you know, necessary in, in terms of, you know, part of your preparation for for every tournament so well super I'll happy be honest, those are the guys that you know i look at when i'm preparing for the week i'm like hey what are these guys seeing for this week trying to get some information so it's funny it was that was fun for me more also because these are guys i follow every week i'm looking at who they're picking never spoken to before didn't even know what uh is some of them even looked like so having them on getting mm -hmm. to actually talk to them and and uh and you know, not just be guys that i follow on twitter was, was fun and just to kind of hammer home the point so Joel was telling you this, right? Well, let's see. Last week, Joel won a trip to the World Championships um, for PGA. The week before that, he almost won a million dollars, but because of an all-rounds under 40 bonus for Colin Morikawa, he got bumped from first place to second place, which was 100000 It's his third six-figure cash in golf alone, I believe. Uh, you had one in the NBA as well. And, you know, so my point isn't to celebrate Joel. It's to celebrate all of the people who helped Joel um, in terms of, you know, putting his, his lineups together. And Joel, you're, you're probably the most successful, uh, certainly in terms of people I collaborate with, um, you're by far the most successful, um, DFS player, probably across all sports, because I know you kill college football and, uh, sometimes NBA and of course NFL as well, but PGA, I just, I just genuinely don't know. I mean, I know you can like go on certain websites and you see who's like racking up all the cash, but like, I don't, I don't know that you're in as many tournaments as some of those guys are in terms of just quality over quantity. You're the best. And it's cool that you're kind of pulling some information, at least from the guys that we just had on. I, I think that's a testament to them um, as much as it is a testament to you. So that's really cool. So that was really nice. Thank you. Sam. No, no problem. Um, so listen, it is, we're 45 minutes into the show. The people who are watching are probably wondering if we're doing a DFS show. Uh, the good news is we only have, what is it? It's still 59 players, right? It's not 60. Spain, did, it's 58 players as far well, as I can yeah. tell. I don't know. 
Anyway, there's only, let's be real. There's only 40 of them that you need to cover. Maybe, maybe 42, 43, 44 for DFS purposes. I think there's like 15 that you probably just don't want to touch. So Joel, I mean, let's just go through it. I can tell you, I have, I'm going to be on with, um, I'm going to be on with Chris Exution at 930. So I have basically like 40 minutes to go through this show and uh, maybe we'll just do DFS. And then in Discord, maybe on Twitter, I'll just put out my first round leaders and my um, and my outright bets. Because, I mean, if, if we're being honest, I don't love any outrights, okay? Like top 40, top 20, I think we, we probably need Nick Brettwish for that because I haven't looked at that market. I think first round leaders is what I'm going to put on, on Twitter and in Discord just for everybody to look at. I, I did hit my first round leader last week. Of course, we were all in on Kevin Tway, Joel, but and that was kind of fun. It was a birthday narrative. But one of our, one of our first round leaders was Jonathan Vegas. And he was also one of my outrights. And I almost had a wire-to-wire win for the first time ever. I mean, nobody obviously does that. So that would have been amazing. I, Vegas just left so many putts short. And Cameron Champ gained eight and a half strokes putting. And you can't beat that if you're not putting almost as good or, or at least, you know, half as good. And Jonathan Vegas certainly wasn't. So um, good week as far as that was concerned. I, I got to say, though, Joel, I don't know how – now, you won the World Championships, which means you didn't have Hank Lebiota in your lineup. I should say you won a, world, a ticket to the World Championship. I actually had 100% Hank Lebiota. I just decided this was going to be my the stand I was going to take. So uh, I'm actually really happy to hear that we got the news on him and that his family seems to be going okay. But anyway, I'll kick it to you. Well, yes, of course. And like, you know, what we're doing with DFS and the, the debates is fun. But like, obviously, if something real is going on with his family, like, that's way more important. Whatever we say about Hank Lebiota mooning our lineups is in fun for DFS. Nothing to do with actually what's happening to him personally. Right. However, what I will say, I think that's a good learning lesson, right? And that's something I've, I sometimes like I've created from else and then I don't listen to my own rules and I hurt myself sometimes. But my one of my rules that I mention often is never go all in on somebody, no matter what. Because yeah. like you said, yeah. you had a good week last week. So you were yeah. on a lot of guys. But because you had Lebiota in every contest, you can't win. And so it's like if you just weren't all in, you probably would have won some money just having a few lineups that yeah. maybe would have would have cut. But because and that's why I say even if you're number one guy, you're really confident. Just don't ever go 100 percent because if you're two through seven hit, you'll still be able to make some money. And the truth is, I never do that. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever done that in terms of like literally 100 percent. But it just so happens. And you know me, I'm not like 150 maxing. I'm it's all my single entries, some three maxes or whatever. And I don't know how many lineups I did now that I think about it, it was probably between 20 and 25 with cash games included and stuff and literally had Lebiota in every single one and I was just like man it was just like what you know somebody actually tweeted at me that night on Saturday night and was like why did Lebiota withdraw it must have been like 1045 and I think he was asking me because I've made myself to be like the president of the fan club and the Hank Lebiota ambassador I'd love to get him on the show by the way but anyway I didn't know what the hell this guy was talking about and then I go, I, I'm like searching everywhere and it, like the news is popping out, but you know, not the reason because obviously it was a very personal reason, totally understandable. But in my head, I'm like, well, that's, that's an error. So I, I, I looked at the PGA tour app and withdraw. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's just an error. And then I go to the CBS sports app withdraw. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is not great. Cause I was up a lot of money, by the way. I was, <laughs> in fact, it looked like I was going to have um, maybe my best week in like a couple months maybe even more than that. And then, you know, so you would think, okay, I still won money, but I actually didn't because a lot of my guys really tanked down the stretch. I was really heavy on Hank and Mav McNeely. And Mav was just terrible on Sunday. If he was even decent, I would have been okay. And of course, if Jonathan Vegas ended up first, I would have been in, in really good shape. So. And just to add a little color quickly, 90% of people who withdraw are because they're hurt or they're blowing up and they're not playing well. 
you picked a good pick. He was playing well. Yeah. He was in the cut. It wasn't like it wasn't like he withdrew because something was going wrong. I mean, something was going on personally, but not for him in the golf tournament. So and he, unfortunate. He had eagled the last hole on day two. So you're like, wow. Like, first of all, you get a lot of points for that, but you're also like, oh, the momentum. Okay, like Hank's really gonna crank it up. And so you're like, man, he's gonna pile up the points. This is a birdie fest, and then Whatever. Um, Ivan, yeah, not only does Joel do college football, uh, but I think he's going to do, and Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, you might be doing a college football show for us every Saturday morning on windailysports.com, YouTube page, all that stuff. Is that right? So we're going to be doing a show this year, yes. Uh, it's not confirmed yet if it's Saturday morning. It might be okay. Thursday night, one of the two, but we're, there'll be a show this year, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Oh, I actually think, did you say Thursday night? I actually think that's a better idea if you can pull that off. Yeah, that, um, that might be Thursday night. There's so much going on Saturday morning. I think that's a good idea. So uh, that answers that question, Ivan. Uh, let's see. Before we get to um, the DFS guys, guys, I'm on family vacation. Came to support the guys. Thank you very much, by the way. Um, I've seen you in here a lot. I, we all appreciate the support. Speaking of support, this Jesse is one of our biggest supporters. Um, what's the key strategy to be different with your lineup construction this week? Should we leave money on the table? So let's just, let's just get it started. I think that's a good question. Um, I can tell you that I don't mind. I mean, just as a general premise, I'll, I'll leave money on the table here and there all the time. I don't know, you know, depending on the tournament, I don't think it's like fundamentally like absolutely necessary. In other words, if you really like a guy, but you can't take him because you want to leave a hundred dollars on the table or 200, then just take the guy. And especially if it's like a single entry or a three max or something. But what I will say is my strategy, Joel, is to go kind of stars and scrubs, knowing that this is a no cut event and knowing that the quote scrubs can potentially have a blow up day, but then really have a, especially at a birdie fest, we've seen kind of these poor or players, these, these players that aren't elite really like come out guns ablaze in one or two days of the tournament and rack up the points. So if this is a birdie fest, I think stars and scrubs is even better. So, so Jesse, that lends itself to you being able to leave some money on the table potentially, but it also lends itself. You're taking some random guys that are low owned, which will have the ownership projections from Steven soon. Um, You'll kind of know that you're be you're being different regardless. So I would only leave money on the table if you're you're in a big tournament or if you're feeling like you've just taken a few too many chalky players. Joel, anything to add to that? Generally, when I do roster construction, my threshold I don't five hundred dollars or less. I don't consider even leaving on the table. Right? That's just building your roster. If there's a guy you like, there's oftentimes like I like a guy more than seventy three hundred than seventy seven hundred. So yep. I'm not going to start kind of finagle how to max out at five hundred dollar threshold. You just build within that. Now, I probably would, for this tournament, I probably wouldn't leave much more than that though on the table, um, because if there is a big drop, I do want to try and get a couple of those top tier players in my lineups, and so it's going to be hard to get a couple of those guys in and then leave more than four or five hundred dollars on the table. So for me, I'll keep my threshold at five hundred, but after that, I'm, I'm probably going to be have nothing more than that on the table. So Gabriel pipes in, he's complimenting you on your 100K win. This is really a, a subtle attempt at, at me being able to show myself off, which isn't even really a show off because he says his is best His best is 10K, which is my best actually from the Masters uh, last November, which I we mentioned Cam Smith when those uh, those guys were on. And uh, he was like the, the key to that, to that lineup. I think I had Matt Wallace, Cam Smith. I can't remember who else. But anyway, so a lot of comments here. Everybody, thanks for watching. So let's, Joel, let's get to it. Um, Let's go through this this elite range, you know, kind of, kind of on the quicker side. I mean, we have Colin, we have JT, Xander, Hideki, Rory, and Patrick Reed. I mean, I think most people are assuming that Xander is going to be pretty popular here among this among this group. Uh, I'm hearing a lot about Justin Thomas, but I don't know if that's really more industry than than it is, you know, the general population. And I, 
I, I'm not looking at ownership right now because this is kind of a weird week. We'll probably have some better numbers really soon. But I would imagine Colin will be somewhat owned because I think he's the best golfer in this field. Who do you like in this field? So I think in the top as well as on, you made a good point about how since there's no cut, like it allows guys to be more aggressive. They're going to get four days. I think that applies for these top guys too, right? Like we might be scared of Rory because he has the tendency to blow up. But here, if he blows up a day, you we know Rory can have the low round of the tournament on day three. Right. Point. So we can I'm okay with going more at Rory this week, knowing that we're gonna get four days of him going at it. Uh, similar kind of idea with Thomas too. Uh, but at, at the top of this range, you know, listen, Morikawa is probably the best golfer in the world right now. I'm definitely not gonna fade him, but just because of salary, I think I can build better rosters by not playing him and having a little bit more balanced lower end of the upper range. So I'll have a little bit of Morikawa, but I won't be overweight. I think my favorite player. Um, up in the top tier, I don't know if he even counts at the top tier, is Victor Hovland, who I mentioned before, but I guess he's 9K. So if we're staying up in the top tier, um, I, I like Hideki because it's like a it's like a home game for him, right? And I think he'll have a little momentum. I, it might even mean a little bit more to him because he's home. So um, I'll have a little Hideki. Um, like I said, I think I like Rory a little bit more because of that uh, that factor that he can blow up one day and still very much so score very well for us. And the last guy up here that I like is Thomas. Uh, who I think is just like he strikes the ball so well. I'm just one of those narratives for me is he's due. I think this is an event where he's yeah. going to care, and it's time for him to knock down a few punts and, and win a medal. Yeah, and I think if you wanted to get into the narrative game, which I, I love to do, mostly in jest, but I think it, it bears out sometimes. I, I could see JT being really motivated. And again, that Andy mentioned it to us. They're all motivated, but I do think there's different tiers of motiv- motivation. I, I genuinely do. I think there's people that are really they've been looking forward to the Olympics for quite some time. And there are guys that are like, it's the Olympics next week. I'm going to go out there and do my best. And I think there's a difference between those two people. I, I think JT, this this could be a coming out party for me. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not going to overthink it. And I'm not saying you are, but Colin is is really good at golf. Okay. And if the putter isn't going to get in his way, which is a big if, but less of a big if, because these greens might be kind of softer. And so, you know, the, the, the breaks m- might not be as severe. And, and if the approach is there, he's going to be on the w- right quadrant of these massive greens. So I'm not really super scared of that. I mean, if you just look like, you know, I usually do 24 round models and I don't want to get too model heavy, but just looking at this ball striking, he's number one in this field. Birdie or better gained, number one in this field. Strokes gained par four, which is going to be big in this tournament, or I should say at the Olympics, number one in this field. Strokes gained approach, number one in this field. Fairways gained, number four in this field. Like, again, these stats don't always bear out. If they did, we would all be tied for first, right? Every single tournament, every single week. But Colin, it just, it doesn't, it just, there's no off switch on him. It, it, you know, whereas I think Hovland does have some like, potential blow up potential, you know, or Rory does even uh, Justin Thomas. I feel like Colin is just kind of this guy that like you can kind of count on to give you four really good days. Cause I agree with you what you said about Rory, but I will say this, if you're paying that much, you, you want to have four good days if you can from, from this elite range and you don't have to have it, but you, you, you certainly want to like, that's what you're efforting for. I don't know that Rory's going to give that to you, but I do like Rory and JT as like potentially slightly contrarian plays. Let me just ask you one question. I, I everything you said about Morikawa is correct. And he's right now the best golfer in the world. And you know, it's um, pretty apparent, but do you think there's maybe a little bit of the narrative that like he's coming off a win and, you know, people are a little higher on him because he's coming up. Cause like, let's not forget going into the last tournament, 
he was almost overlooked in the top tier, right? Mm -hmm. And then he came out and won the tournament. And, you know, I kind of think of, well, you know, now he's getting overlooked because he just won the last tournament. And how often do you guys win back-to-back tournaments? Yeah, but this is this seems different because the Olympics just and, and it might not be different, but it just seems different because this isn't PGA Tour. And I think we're like removed enough from that tournament to to feel like it's it's just kind of we're, we're in a different place right now. The thing for me is if I'm going to pay this much for somebody, I want to compare him to everybody else in this range and see if I think I'm actually getting value. And he's the highest price guy. How could I possibly getting be getting value? But I, I just look at the volatility and I know that's usually a good word in golf, but the volatility of of Justin Thomas, Xander's not volatile. I I, I can admit that. Um, but Hideki, Rory, Patrick Reed, it just feels like Colin is going to be the guy that's most likely to give you four really good days and most likely to have the placement points that linger in the first place slot. I mean, that's that's just how I see it. I know that's sort of like super square to say it like that because, like, yeah, obviously he's the he, he's the shortest guy on the board, and and he's. And he's obviously 11,200 for a reason. So like anybody can say what I just said, but I, I, I'm not really worried about anybody else from a just consistently scoring standpoint. Maybe Xander. I do like Xander. He's my second favorite in this range, but um, I think I'm only going to be playing Rory Hideki and Justin in the non-single entries just to be a little bit like different. So I like it, but you mentioned Hovland and, and I did as well. So Let's let's talk about the 9K range. It's a pretty short range, as you might expect in a 58-person field. Who do you like in the 9K range besides Victor Hovland? So from a roster construction standpoint, I prefer starting my builds here where I can maybe get two or three of these guys. And then like you said earlier, right, I feel better this week about diving down in the 6K range because I'm getting four days. So as long as one of those guys who's down there gives gets one really good day, that should be enough points. Whereas if I get a lot of my, if my if I hit on my top three guys, uh, I should be able to make some money this week. So that's my thought process. Um, and so with that being said, Hovland's my favorite. I actually think Hovland's going to win the tournament. But then going down, like I like playing uh, Shane Lowry. He's been striking the ball great. I personally don't like Paul Casey, but I would not be I wouldn't object to somebody wanting to play him. Uh, I think Abraham Answer could be a good play. Um, I'm probably not going to go with Neiman just because you know. Of these options in this range, he's just a turn at the bottom. But if you like Neiman, I think it's a fair enough play as well. Um, and then the last guy is the old fun Sungjae, which is like, you know, if you are you going to buy into the narrative? Now, for Sungjae, it's less extreme because he will have another opportunity. He's a young guy. He's only 22. So he'll have another chance next Olympics. Whereas, um, you know, Siwoo, I, he might have one more chance after this or maybe one other yeah, chance. Yeah, we heard from you. We heard from Isaiah, uh, and I, I didn't vet this because I didn't have time before the show, that because of certain green card status that Siwoo Kim has, that he might actually be eligible to medal before the age of 35, which didn't uh, that didn't make sense to me at the time because I know that the military service should be in South Korea 18 to 28. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on this, but there is a potential out for Siwoo Kim, I think. Um, again, it, it, all, it all depends on whether you, you buy that narrative in terms of him playing better or whether it's just a bad narrative, like that just puts too much pressure on him. Um, But I will say this, and this is something I mentioned on on a different show before, which is these guys skipped the open to concentrate on this particular Olympics at this course. So I'm assuming a couple of things that they've gotten out here before everybody else and that they really know this course better than everybody else. So if you value that, and I don't really like Siwoo much in this tournament, but I do kind of like Sungjae. If you value that, then 
that's not that's not a narrative. It's not a narrative that that they might be more accustomed to this course because they were out here early earlier and concentrating. The narrative part of this is well, they have they they have to win because you know the South Korean military. That's the narrative part. So I do think there's something to be said for them getting out here earlier. And I'll jump on that. We'll move the narrative, right? Put that aside. Outside mm-hmm. of all that noise, which is obviously getting a lot of attention right now, see Wu Kim for a small field at $7,800 is also outside of the narrative, one of the better value plays. Mm-hmm. Like, That's fair. Wu Kim is a guy who plays on the PGA Tour. We've seen him consistently compete on the PGA Tour. And most of those guys that we've seen compete on the PGA Tour in this field are above 8,500. So if you want to build a roster at a guy with a guy in the 7K range, there's only about three or four guys in the 7K range that are consistently competing on the PGA Tour, and C was one of them. So outside of all the extra narrative stuff, he's also just a good value at this price. Yeah, no, that, that that's totally fair. This is an interesting question. So Jesse asks, uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, do you like the bomber narrative? Players can grip it and rip it here and come in with shorter irons to large greens. Not really. Uh, Joel, I don't, I don't know about your opinion. I'm not saying bombers are bad, but I'm going to be focused way more on ball strikers, especially when when I have a course that, you know, I haven't really seen it before. And so my default is going to be on, on ball striking. But I also just think you don't need to be a long hitter here. Like we have a few par fives, but they're not really gettable. They're really long. So if you're a shorter hitter, you're getting there in the same amount of strokes as, as the bomber in all likelihood. So, I mean, I, there are some... If there's some long par threes, there's a few long par fours. That's going to help the the bigger hitters, presumably. But I, I kind of want to just I want a guy that's going to keep it in the fairway off off the tee and who's good with his approach shots. And if I get that, then I'll, you know, I, I I'll worry about the putter, you know, later. It's just that that's not gonna be like the putter is a concern to me, but it's not a huge concern because of the potential soft conditions. Um, but I'm looking for ball strikers, Jesse. How about you, Joel? Well, for this tournament, you know, those traditional bombers that we talk about most weeks aren't in it. You know, I mean, there's Rory who who can bomb it. So Rory is definitely one of them. But for the most part, there aren't too many big bombers that that are even to go after. So it's not something that I'm even thinking about because um, I just don't think it's much of a factor based on the field. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, All right, cool. So 9K range. I think we just went through that. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, I, I don't love this range. I do kind of like Casey, but... I feel like the upside's a little limited and, and I, I haven't been super, even though he rates out great in my model, which is, you know, I'm not, again, my model is, I don't really know how much to value my model this week, if I'm being honest, but he does rate out great, but I, I just, I find him really underwhelming. The putter is, is, has been a problem for him. Um, I, it's just, it's just not, I'm not seeing as much upside as I, as I thought I would with him. Cause at first when, when the, when the week started, I liked Casey a lot. I don't think I like answer much either. I'm usually an answer guy. He also rates out really well in my model, but I might play a couple shares, but I'm not, there's nobody in this nine K range. I love, I don't even love Victor Hovland. I think I'm going to, and I, I I'm not saying I don't like Victor Hovland. I'm just saying I personally, I don't think I'm going to be playing a lot of them. I think I'm going to be cherry picking at the top 10 K and above and then I'm going to go right down to the 8K range with most of my, let's say, single entry build. So speaking of the 8K range, we have, I guess it's bigger than the 9K range. It's a pretty big range full of pretty good golfers. Cam Smith, Corey Connors, Sebez, Tommy Fleetwood, Leishman, Migliozzi, Higo, Norin, Peters, and Mackenzie Hughes. I can tell you Monday on the first cut that the two guys that I pointed out that I liked were Guido Migliozzi and... Mac Hughes. I think I'm souring just a little bit on Mac Hughes. Um, so Joel, I'd like your opinion there. Maybe you can rehabilitate my opinion with him, but I do like Migliozzi. I, I don't think he's mispriced, but I do think he's a pretty good value here. And 
As far as the rest of the AK range, I think Cam Smith is just one of those guys. He always figures it out. He just like the metrics don't speak to me. They never speak to me. But in these big events, he just always seems to figure it out. I mean, the Masters is one of them. The last three Masters, frankly. So um, he's a guy that I'm definitely looking at. People probably won't play him because he's 8,900. And that's just a weird price. They might want to play Corey Connors instead or go all the way down to like Migliozzi or Higo or even like a Thomas Peters who, by the way, I think I like Thomas Peters as well in a no-cut event. So those are the guys I like. I think I like Guido and Thomas Peters the best. I think I could probably be convinced with Cameron Smith and Corey Connors. I don't think I'm going to be on anybody else. Joel, what say you? It's funny. We're very much so aligned in this range. Um, Guido's my favorite by a lot. Uh, so I'm playing a ton of Guido this week. I just think he's the best value for price. Um, I think Cam Smith is also another good value. I think he's a guy who is kind of, to me, still at the just in that elite range that we can get in the AK so we can really build some rosters around him. Um, I like Hughes a lot. I think Hughes is a good value. He's playing well. I'm not a guy that normally plays Hughes. I don't normally like him, but his recent form is there. I mean, it's been – it's not just one week. It's been a few weeks now where he has shown – and let's not forget, other than the top – it's confusing because this tournament is top-heavy – but after mm-hmm. the first 10 guys, it's there's there's no names. 15 yeah. guys, there's no names. So for this field, he actually is a stronger than above because, you know, other than the elite guys, he's better than a lot of these guys. So I actually think, you know, he's a, he's a really smart play this week. I like Hughes a lot. And the last guy I'm with you, I have a similar sentiment with, with Corey Connors. I would have liked Corey Connors a little bit cheaper, four or $500 cheaper. I really mm-hmm. would have loved him. I still think we're paying up a bit for him, but I can see him competing this week. So I think the 7K range is is really going to be interesting because there's two guys that really jump off the page to me that I think whether you're in the industry or outside of the industry, if you follow golf at all, you're going to be like Jonathan Vegas, Mito Pereira, great value. These guys can score. They've been really good lately. Uh, and there's nobody else in the 7K range that's really going to speak to a lot of people. So that's why I think if you're going to get different I think maybe these are two guys to fade. If you want to play them, that's cool. But I think if you want to like take some chalky guys, but then take some pivots in the 7K range instead of, and I know, um, who was it? It was Andy Lack that mentioned uh, Antoine Rosner, who Rick Gaiman also really liked. And I think there's an argument to be made for him. I think Sebastian Munoz is an interesting pick. I think there's an argument to be made for him. Siwoo is probably going to be pretty popular for the reasons we talked about for the first 40 minutes of this show. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, I think is interesting. Um, Rasmus Hogard, uh, let's see. Jazz, no thank you. I, I'm hearing some stuff about Matias Schwab. So here's my question. It's a two-part question, Joel. Are you on Vegas and Mito Pereira? And, and I do want to point out the travel issues here with them just leaving Maine and flying 18 hours and being 13 hours ahead, Japan time, and not being able to look at this course at all, along with Patrick Reed. Are you on either of those two guys? And regardless, if you were to pivot to somebody off of them, uh, who would it be? So my the first answer is yes, I'm on them. And here's for I'm why. Both. Okay. Um, I'm going back to what I said before. This is a field that is deceiving because it's top heavy. After the top, I, I really don't like the rest of the field. So just the sheer fact that these are two guys that have competed on the PGA Tour in the 7K range, you're not getting a lot of that in the 6 and 7K range. And so there's probably only a handful of guys we can talk to that have top 20s on the PGA Tour this year um, and under 8K, and those are two of them. And, and these are guys that aren't just top 20. They're top 10s. They're both almost won a tournament last week. Yes, I, there is some concern of the travel all the way across the world, um, not getting any practice runs, and that definitely concerns me. 
But what makes up for it is they're guaranteed four days. So even if they start slow, they have four days to make up for it. And they're both guys that score well on DraftKings. So even if they don't, even if they blow up one day and they don't necessarily even get in the top 20, they could still, you know, have a 79 one day and score well enough to be to get you to cash on DraftKings because they made up with a lot of birdies in addition to the bogeys. So for that reason, they make sense for me this week. Now, my pivot in this range, if I were to go um, try and find a different round and try and get different with ownership, uh, I think C.T. Pan is someone to look at. C.T. Pan's another guy who is uh, is going to be benefited by guaranteed four rounds, and he's a guy who we've seen you know compete on the PGA Tour, which to me is a big factor. I think that gives you a leg up. I just think that that's better golf. And I know like I like Rosner, and, and I'll be playing some of him this week too, but – I'd rather a guy that's average on the PGA Tour than good on the Europe Tour. And that's kind of what you get from CD Pan. Yeah, I get that. And honestly, you know, he rates out like a little bit better than I thought he would. I mean, again, it's a 58-person field. So you have to be really careful with like what you're looking at. But I mean, you know, off the tee approach, last 24 rounds, he's in the top 25 of both. Putter isn't bad. His three-putt avoidance is pretty bad. But, you know, again, with soft conditions on the greens, hopefully he doesn't have to worry about that too much. Um, Ball striking, again, that's 25th. Not not terrible. So for a guy who's 7,100, yeah, I get that. You know, l- let me ask you about Carlos Ortiz and Sebastian Munoz because those are the two guys that came to mind, especially Sebastian Munoz. Um, is that somebody you'd consider as a pivot off of the two main guys that I, that I do think are going to get a lot of ownership? Uh, I like Munoz more than Ortiz. Uh, I, I think they're both similar. I just think Munoz is a little bit better, maybe in a little bit better form in that we've seen him compete more recently. Um I'd be honest with you, I'm not heavy on either one of these guys, but uh, I could get definitely see myself getting around to Munoz just for the same reasons we've been saying before. This is a PGA Tour caliber player in the 7K range. Um, so Jesse piping in here, I, f- I forgot to mention this. This is a good point. I mean, again, how do you want to play this? Is, is, it, is it really going to factor in? I don't know, maybe. Uh, maybe that quote, motivation. And again, for those of you listening on the podcast, C- uh, Jesse said, uh, CT Pan is motivated by a million dollar payday for a gold medal. Well, I mean, I think CT Pan knows he's not winning a gold medal, but does that somehow motivate him to, you know, play a little bit better or focus a little bit more? And by the way, does more focus matter? So you get into all of those narratives, which frankly, I'm, I'm cool with the narratives. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a, a buzzkill here, but can we confirm is the CT Pan million only for gold or is it any better? Yeah, I, I don't know. I know I heard the CT Pan million thing, but, but Jesse's information is usually like really good. Okay. Um, so I think it's probably just for gold, which is such BS. Like, give me a break, man. Like, have you seen the top of this board? Like, it's not happening. Just, is there a sliding scale? Pan, like, shoots a great score, beats out Justin Thomas, Carlos Morikawa, gets silver and gets no million dollars. There's, there, there's got to be, like, a sliding scale there, right? Like 500000 for silver, 250000 for bronze. I mean, that's Well, just, you know what? See, in uh, DraftKings tournaments, if you don't win a million, you get 100000 So... It's not as good a big of a sign as you would like. <laughs> wow, too soon. Too soon. Joel, you have such a good attitude about stuff like that. Okay, so 6K range. I think this is a range that has a little bit more meat on the bone, especially in a no-cut event, than what you would typically see, especially with a with a with uh, this type of field. Um, I'll just mention a few guys that I like. Um, Ryan Fox, he's a guy that's really long off the tee. He really competed at the open uh, and then like at least at first he did and then really fell off so that that wasn't great, Uh, but he was 44th at the Scottish Open Uh, on the European tour just last month. He had three top 15 finishes in a row. 
it's pretty again you're looking for guys that have like the moxie or the game to like have these top 20 finishes and, and again it's the european tour but three 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 top team 15 finishes in the only three that he played last month is definitely saying something um if you go all the way back to the saudi international in february he was sixth so this guy clearly has the ability to compete at a high level so i think he's probably a guy that's going to get overlooked the guy right below him joel i'm pretty sure you're going to like we were on him all of last year and then we were like what happened to henrik norlander and then he made five cuts in a row, and here we are at the Olympics. So he's going to be a popular guy because he's a very recognizable name in this in this hodgepodge of, of names that are on the European Tour or the Challenge Tour, the Corn Fair, whatever it is. So I think he'll be a little popular, but that's okay. He's not going to be like super popular or anything. So um, again, wait for those numbers from Stephen. He'll have that article out before we tee off, I believe, uh, tomorrow Wednesday night at six thirty p.m. But I like Fox and Norlander, and then. There's a couple other guys I would consider, but I'll tell you what, Rafael Campos is 6,000. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Rafael Campos. He's missed a bunch of cuts in a row, like, I don't know, six or seven. However, before that, he was second at the Corrales. He was third at the Puerto Rico Open. Oh, and by the way, all those missed cuts in a row, well, they actually were, there was a stop there. and It was at the Barbasol where he was 20th. So, you could say his recent form is is good, at least as as it pertains to the Barbasol. We know he's top three in two tournaments, just like this is, you know, the Puerto Rico Open, the Corrales, we're talking like three months ago or so. So, and here's the cool thing. So it's a no-cut event, right? Well, these guys down here, like, you know, they're probably not going to put up great scores. And, and these, these guys you typically wouldn't take because they might miss the cut. But I looked into some of his missed cuts and he goes low in some of those missed cuts. Like the problem is he has like one bad day, but like if you're taking a guy that's min-priced, that's totally okay. The John Deere Classic, he shot a 74 and a 67. One terrible day and one pretty good day. The Wells Fargo, he shot a 79 and a 69. Like, that's pretty good. So, I, like, like my point is, is if you get two good days, and let's say there's Saturday or Sunday, so Thursday, Friday, he completely bombs, and it's like, well, that's a guy that would have normally missed the cut. Well, guess what? That 6,000 really paid off because two of those four days – he actually like kind of crushed it in terms of uh, from a value standpoint. So I think Campos, a guy who's min priced and who's come second and third just three months ago and who just finished 20th at a PGA tour event that speaks to me a little bit. So I think that's an interesting play in this, in the bottom of the barrel range. So I want to start with saying I'm aligned with you on Campos. He's been my value play. I'm cramming him into lines where I want to try and get a lot of guys up top. And and your reasoning is, is exactly why, right? Because we can survive him blowing up. As long as he gives us two good days, the points will add up. The one caveat I will just throw out there, the devil's advocate I'll say, mm -hmm. is that he's Puerto Rican. So when you reference the Puerto Rican Open, they did well. It's probably because it was his home field, right? And that was a tournament. And, you know, the Corrales was like, you know, a JV tournament. It wasn't like a, a real tournament mm -hmm. that we have all the big names that, that you get in. So those are ones like he does. He does have the ability to do that, right? Which we saw he, he's, he did it. Can't take just because he's Puerto Rican. You can't take it away from him. Um but they were kind of special tournaments for him. Um, but hey, the, why wouldn't the Olympics be special for him, right? He's not like he has to compete this every week. So the only the only like thing I would say to that, and I'm not saying Campos is like a guy to jam in your single entry tournaments, but the only thing I would say, although I'll probably have him in a couple of single entries if I'm being honest. The only thing I'll say to that is like the, you're right, the Corrales, Puerto Rico Open, even Barbasol, they like they they're like basically all, alternate events for, for the most part in terms of like the field strength. 
But this is also kind of like that, isn't it? Because you said it. Once you get past the first, like, the only guys that have win equity in this tournament are probably, like, the top 15. To me, it stops at, like, maybe Guido Migliosi. Maybe it goes down to, like, the 20th guy or whatever. And then Cam Smith, Migliosi. I think those are the last couple guys, like, that mid-8K range where I'm like, okay, that guy could potentially win. After 20, so you have you have almost 40 more golfers, and it's just kind of a hodgepodge. So the point is, Campos isn't finishing top 20. But if he, if, he, if he allows you to stack Xander and Colin Morikawa and he finishes 35th and has like one and a half really good scoring days or, or something like that, he's probably a really nice cog in your lineup. So I, I agree, but I just feel like the field strength here is, is deceivingly bad. And we have like we have to come to terms with that once we get past the first 20-ish to 25 guys. I agree with that. And I'll even double down on that by saying he doesn't even have to finish in the 40s, like in the 30s or 40s. Like he could have one really bad blow up, but then it's all about the scoring in DraftKings, right? So mm-hmm. as long as he has some low scoring days and it doesn't get him in the leaderboard, it's okay. As long as he collects enough birdies or eagles or whatever for points. So um, yeah, I agree. I, I he's a play for me. So I got to get out of here in five. Give me some 6K plays that you like, though. I just hogged that, that whole portion. No, the, the, I, I'm aligned with you. Norlander, um, I'm with you with on, on Campos. The only guy you didn't mention that I'll throw out there is Sepp Straka, who at 6,400. Oh. Uh, again, he's a guy we, we've mentioned on this show for PGA tournaments. Uh, I, he's not coming in in great form, so you got to just kind of swallow that pill and just say he's playing tougher fields than uh, these other guys, and that will show in this tournament. But at 6,400, I think he's worth throwing, rolling the dice on. But other than that, um, the strategy for me this week is, uh, you know, stars and scrubs for sure. We can take more risk because we're getting four days from people. There's not, we don't have to worry about, uh, cut sweats or anything like that. Uh, get your guys in there that you think are going to do well. And, uh, and, and the biggest thing is get guys that can get birdies, get your birdie makers. This mm-hmm. is not the week to get your plotters. You know, a guy like Brian Harmon this week is not someone we'd want to play. Uh, get your birdie makers, get guys that can chase low scores and you'll score well. Yeah. And it, and it makes me, you know. A lot of these guys kind of are plot. You know, it's interesting. Campos is birdie or better. Last twenty four rounds is number eleventh in this. He's eleventh in this field. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, so uh, anyway, no, I, I totally agree with that. Birdie makers scoring is is what matters. I mean, don't worry about placement points quite as much here. Like you want guys that are going to be able to get birdies. Um, probably not going to be many Eagles out here, by the way. So, um, birdies. Joel, uh, any any last words for the Olympics or for the discussion we had on the front end? Um, listen, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I like that we were able to kind of dive into that a little bit on the show. Um, I'm rooting for him. You know, I, I hope Siwoo, uh, I hope Siwoo gets a medal this week and, and I hope he, he gets the avoid service. And you know what? I think it would be fun if someone does give it to him. So, uh, it'll be an, an interesting narrative and at least at the very least, it'll be fun golf to follow for the week. So, uh, good luck this week, guys. Hey, so I, I did want to, I, I forgot. Gabriel had some questions. Do you like Lahiri? I do. Yeah. Okay. I would say of the 6K range, he's one of the maybe five guys that I'd be playing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I've, I've heard some other people I respect uh, mention Lahiri as well. Uh, and I think he can score too. I, I haven't looked at his, I don't know where he shows up on the chart, but I think he can score. I've seen tournaments where he goes low, at least for a day or two. Uh, if you had to pick between these three, I don't, I'm guessing Pan is more of a pivot than he is a guy you'd lean on. But uh, Vegas or Pereira, who do you like better of the two? I think I, I'm going to lean Pereira. Uh, for this okay. week, that's that's going to be my pick. Uh, however, I agree. I agree. By the way, between those two, I actually like Mito a little bit better. I think if you're gonna if you're you know putting a handful of lineups in a big GPP, then my pick of those three is Pan. I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. If you're in a big, you want to throw it like a single bullet into a big tournament, or if you're just in a big tournament, um, 
Pan is going to anybody in the seven K range other than Vegas or Mito is going to make you different. Other than maybe I guess Siwoo was down there in the seven K range, but there's only like three guys, maybe four guys that are going to be popular. Everybody else is going to be very low owned relative to the field. Keep in mind when you see ownership percentages, there's only 58 people in the field, so they're all going to be a little bit higher than you think. So a guy that's ordinarily like eight percent might have, you know, in a real tournament, a real field might might have been like four and a half percent, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, Joel, I think that's it. I, I was so happy to get those guys on the show. I think that was a conversation worth having. Um, and it was super fun. We did the DFS. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure Joel, um, if he has any outrights, puts them out there. But I'll definitely put them out there on Twitter before tee off, which is 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, out in Tokyo, they're 13 hours ahead of us. So that gives you an idea of where they're starting, 7.30 a.m. Uh, Tokyo time on Thursday morning. Um, we'll be in Discord for the balance of tonight, probably, I, I got to go on a show with Chris Exution. Hopefully you guys can check that out. It'll be on my Twitter and his Twitter. Um, but after that, I'll be in Discord to, to look at some lineups. And uh, guys, if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, Win Daily Sports on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and uh, join us on windailysports.com. We have a ton of free content, but we have a ton of really good behind the paywall content as well. Um, for PGA, NFL, we're already pumping out a ton of content for that. So I'm excited uh, for the NFL. I can tell you that much. Uh, Joel, I know you are too. Everybody, um, thanks for joining us. And uh, no breaking news today, but we'll be back uh, with breaking news next week. And Joel, uh, there's just uh, there's always one thing I forget. <laughs> always one thing. Sports. Sports.